Event may be too intense for young children, and it's not recommended for children under the age of 13. No costumes or costume masks allowed. Discover Universal presents Halloween Horror Nights Haunted Tales, an anthology series exploring the stories behind Halloween Horror Nights' chilling original creations. An impressionable young man is drawn into the grisly ritualistic practices of a village of moon worshippers. The false-hearted must pay. In this original haunted house at Universal Orlando's Halloween Horror Nights 2023. Here is Blood Moon Dark Offerings. Ye false-hearted shall see us all struck down. Ye false-hearted shall see our children starve. Constant Shiler's frail body shook as she pointed her bony finger and moaned her convictions. Ye false-hearted celebrate a harvest that yields no grain. Constance and her small sect of followers had become a mainstay in the village square. Stringent believers in the act of moon farming a practice by which all decisions are made by observing the divinely inspired cycles of the moon, they were convinced their colony could only be spared by allowing the celestial body to dictate their every move. To their dismay, the majority of the villagers left in the small colonial settlement of Parish Town remained unconvinced and treated their warnings as nothing more than the insane rants of a group of sad villagers who had lost their minds. In fact, They had deemed them the lunatics, a word coined in England to describe an individual who would go insane during certain phases of the moon. Nevertheless, Constance or one of her followers would show up in the square every day to scream their warnings, and the wilderness-worn villagers would in turn ignore them the best they could as they went about their respective days. That is, most villagers would ignore them, with the exception of Elias. When Constance was in the square, Elias was always close by, listening intently and making sure she saw him do so. He had no interest in her convictions, but he did have interest in earning her favor, since he could remember his very best friend in life was Abigail Shiler, Constance's daughter. They grew up together, and since they'd both turned 18, their friendship had begun to blossom into something more. Each time Constance made her way to the town square, Abigail would accompany her. She didn't participate in any screaming or condemning. She just sat quietly behind Constance, casting smiles in Elias' direction when her mother wasn't looking. Today, Constance was exceptionally hysterical. Another harsh winter, followed by a meager harvest, had everyone on edge. More than half of the colonists in Parish Town had either died or abandoned the colony and set sail back to England. Constance's husband was among those who had passed during the unforgiving winter, leaving her alone and emotionally unstable. Tears streamed from her eyes as her words fell on deaf ears. We shall all pay! We shall all pay for your indignation! She collapsed into Abigail's arms as she whimpered the words. Within seconds, Elias was behind her as well, helping Abigail lighten the load. Together, they helped Constance sit on a nearby porch, She cried as she continued. They won't listen. The false-hearted will not hear, and we shall all pay. Constance and her followers had their own name for the villagers that paid no heed to their warnings. They deemed them the false-hearted. She pulled Elias close and spoke through her tears. You, you, You hear my words. 
Your heart is not false. You hear me, don't you? Yes, ma'am. I hear you, Elias answered, not wanting to exasperate the situation any further. Perhaps you can make them hear. You must make them hear. Elias did his best to comfort Constance, then walked her and Abigail back to their cottage. He waited patiently outside while Abigail tucked her mother into her bed. Weeks earlier, the rest of the villagers had decorated for the annual harvest festival. As an attempt to scrape out a bit of happiness from an otherwise bleak existence, once a year the villagers would gather together in the dining hall to eat and celebrate one more year of survival. In stark contrast to the decorated village, Constance's cottage was devoid of any kind of decoration, or hope for that matter. The place was dismal and smelled of mildew and rot. Any life it held had died along with Constance's husband. The door squeaked open and Abigail emerged with a smile on her face. Elias had no idea how she could be so strong in the midst of her father passing and her mother losing her mind. But somehow, she found a way to smile through it all, and that made Elias admire her even more. She's asleep now. We can walk if you'd like, Abigail said. Elias smiled. I would like. Abigail took his hand. Come, I want to show you something. The two laughed and talked as Abigail pulled Elias through the forest. For them, this was their escape. An escape from the pain. An escape from the disappointment. An escape from colony life altogether. This time was their time and no one else's. Will you come tonight to the celebration? The smile left Abigail's face. You know that I cannot. My mother would not approve. Your mother will be sleeping. The Celestial would not approve, and the Celestial never sleeps. Elias stopped and pulled her back towards him. You don't honestly believe in that. You can't possibly. And why not? The colony would do well to mind my mother's warnings. Elias looked into her eyes a bit stunned. They had never discussed her mother's beliefs before. He simply assumed that Abigail was putting up with them, not ascribing to them. She's not a lunatic, you know. I didn't say that. I would never say that. Abigail leaned in close. Good. What my mother is, I am, and you would never kiss a lunatic, right? Elias's heart skipped, and his mouth went dry. He could barely get the word out. Kiss? Abigail pressed her finger against his lips, giggled, then ran further into the forest. Come on, we're almost there. Elias rushed into the forest behind her. He had only ever held hands with a girl, and only one girl at that. When he and Abigail touched, it felt like electricity pulsing through his body. He could only imagine what kissing her would be like and caught himself daydreaming about it on quite a few occasions. The forest opened up into a clearing that Elias had never been to before. Abigail stood by a small stream in the middle of the meadow. Elias joined her and grabbed her hand. This is beautiful. Is this what you wanted to show me? Wait, it's coming. They waited in silence for a few moments. Then Abigail pointed toward the tree line. Magically, small pinpoints of bright white light began to illuminate until the entire forest was twinkling. Elias was in awe. What is it? It's a sign. It's the celestial. The celestial brings the stars to us. He wanted to protest, but it was difficult to in the presence of such a magical sight. Was it a sign? Had Constance and her followers been correct this entire time? His mind was racing. Have you ever seen anything more beautiful? Elias looked deep into Abigail's eyes. Only one thing. Abigail smiled, leaned in, and the couple shared their first kiss. The two emerged from the forest hand in hand to find Elias's father waiting for them at the colony gates. His arms were folded and he cast a stern expression. 
He's unhappy. It's not you. He doesn't approve of me going beyond the gates after dark. Calm down, boy. We must prepare for the festival. Abigail gave Elias a smile. I'll see you tomorrow. She let go of his hand and ran back toward her cottage. Elias's father scowled as he watched her disappear into the village. Moments later, Elias was back inside his own home, sitting across from his very disappointed parents. His mother stared across the table with a scornful expression as his father yelled his disapproval. You are forbidden to court Abigail Shiler. This family will not consort with lunatics. They're not lunatics. They're tired and hungry and confused, just like the rest of us. They're nothing like us! His mother chimed in. They're delusional and they scare me. Isn't it enough that we must suffer these conditions? That we must suffer the loss of loved ones? Must we also suffer the rantings and lashing of lunatics? Tears streamed from his mother's eyes. His father pulled her close and comforted her. Loss had also gripped Elias's small family. His one-year-old sister had passed two winters earlier, and the pain still lingered in his parents' hearts. We've all suffered loss. Soon, Abigail's mother will pass, and she will be all alone. Will this colony abandon its own simply because they search for answers? Aren't we all searching for answers? I saw something tonight in the forest. A miracle. I can show you if you follow me. Elias's father held his mother as she cried. Enough of this nonsense! I know you feel strongly for this girl. I know it feels wrong to abandon her, but sometimes the thing that's most right feels the most wrong. You are forbidden outside the colony walls after dark, and you are forbidden to court Abigail Shiler. Let that be the end of it! Elias jumped up from the table and headed for the door. It is not the end of it, he yelled, then slammed the door behind him. He rushed out of the village and back into the forest. With tears, frustration, and confusion welling, he screamed up at the moon. Prove it! If you're real and you want something from me, show me! Prove it! The moment the words left his lips, a cold breeze washed over the forest. The leaves rustled so loudly it sounded like they were speaking. Chills rushed through Elias' body. Did the celestial hear him? He stared up at the moon in anticipation. Then, slowly, before his eyes, a crimson red began to wash over the moon. Equal parts amazed and horrified, his body shook uncontrollably as the red curtain continued across the celestial body's surface until it covered the entire moon in a warm blood red. He was stunned, frozen in place. Just as it seemed nothing could break him from his bewildered trance, Parish Town's bell began to toll. Elias snapped too. The bell only ever meant one thing, danger. Unable to fully process everything he had just experienced, he ran toward the colony as quickly as his legs could carry him. As he ran toward the walls, he realized that the entire countryside was washed in crimson red. He could hear screams emanating from his tiny colony as he grew closer. Questions raced through his mind. What did the sign mean? Did his insolence doom the colony? Who was attacking his friends and family? The first building he came to just inside the walls was the sawmill, where he heard a voice that was all too familiar. Constance Schuyler's words rose above the distant screams and moans emanating from the village. The blood moon hath risen! She exclaimed. A sacrifice is demanded! A group of voices responded. 
Elias peered through the cracks in the wooden sawmill walls to find a disturbing sight. A group of villagers wearing matching tabards and masks had begun building some sort of wooden totem. Above them, in a raised loft, Constance wore a similar tabard and mask and chanted down at them. The false-hearted must pay! Lest we all pay! They answered back. Elias scanned the building, hoping to gather more clues as to what was going on. His gaze rested on a wheelbarrow, positioned close to the totem. To his horror, it was piled high with the hacked-up body parts of his fellow villagers. The false-hearted must die! Lest we all die! Terrified by the gruesome sight, Elias rushed toward his home. He swung open the door just in time to catch two more followers hovering over his parents. They had bound his mother and father to their dining room chairs and held knives at the ready. Wait, stop! Elias screamed. What are you doing? Stop this! One of the followers walked toward him slowly. Uh, Elias, run! Run, my son! Get away from here! But he didn't run. With his heart beating in his throat, he stood his ground. The follower grew closer, stopped inches in front of him, then removed her mask. To his utter shock, it was Abigail. Blood dripped down from her face from a symbol that she had seemingly carved into her own forehead. But she was not distraught. Calm and collected, she smiled at Elias and whispered. Did you see it? He couldn't speak. His mind raced through all he'd taken in. The sign he'd asked for, the sign he'd been given, the horrors taking place in the sawmill. The blood moon hath risen. Abigail continued. A sacrifice is demanded. The other follower chanted in cadence. Elias looked past her at his parents. His father screamed through his tears. Ah! She's a lunatic! They're all lunatics! He looked back to Abigail as a lone tear streamed from his eye. Unfazed by his father's insults, she gently wiped the tear from his eye. Shh! It's okay, my love. The false-hearted must pay. The other follower stiffened as he reminded Abigail of their cause. She nodded and stared directly into Elias' eyes. Lest we all pay. Abigail turned the handle of the knife toward Elias, offering it to him. He slowly gripped the handle and took it into his own hand. Stab her! His mother squealed. Kill her and save your family! Elias raised the knife to his forehead. His eyes stayed locked with Abigail's as he pressed the knife in, carving the same symbol from her forehead into his own. The false-hearted must die. Abigail whispered in his ear, Lest we all die. Elias said back. He finished carving the symbol, then turned his attention toward his parents. They screamed their protest and indignation at him as he drew closer with the knife, but he knew what he had to do. Horrific as it seemed, difficult as it would be, the celestial had provided a clear, undeniable sign. This was the only way to save Parish Town. Sometimes, the thing that's most right feels the most wrong.